from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to have you here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Hope you're all enjoying your week. We're at the midweek. We're on Wednesday, September 19th of the great year 2018. Why is it a great year? Because God gave it to us. So anything that God gives you, it's great. Well, what if God gives me strife, Dan? What if God gives me something to jump over. What if God gives me this and God gives me that? Well, listen, I'll tell you something about this world. God doesn't give you stress, okay? That comes from people, comes from situations, but he gives you the tools to get out of it. And hanging over my right over my right shoulder during the show, every single show, and if you watch on Fridays, you could see on video inside of the studio on facebook.com backslash live now DT, you could always see it over my shoulder, and that is a quote that says this. Sometimes God calms the storm. Other times, he calms the sailor. So understand that. God might not send you the storm. Maybe he does. But the reality of it all is, everything that we go through in life is to make us better, stronger, more loving, more caring. There's nothing in our lives that's supposed to make us hateful, negative, nasty, rude, disrespectful, ignorant, none of that. Prejudice, racist, sexist, none of that. We're tested every single day to keep the faith, to stay strong, to be good people. And I take that test very seriously. Sometimes I pass the test, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm not good to myself. Sometimes I let the world get to me. Sometimes what I love and and what I love to do is blocked by my thoughts of what other people think of this. What is this? You know, what is this? What is that? What is the other thing? Or, and you can't do that. You can't care what other people think. You can't care about what you're doing. If, if somebody doesn't love you, respect you, and appreciate you, their opinion doesn't matter. And that's the reality of it all. The people that are there for you, that ride with you, that would do anything for you, those are the people that matter. Those are the people that that you can look to, but you should always, number one, pray and look inside of your own heart and your own mind and your own self to find those answers, to find those words. It's tough out there. It's tough out there. It is. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie to anybody. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And you have to be able to fight for it and fight for its worthiness. And what is its? It's your life. You. Your worthiness. To go out there and speak your mind. To do what you can do to prepare yourself and to go give it to the world. Prepare and then bring it. That's it. Sometimes it'll end the way you want it to. Sometimes it won't. But if you try and you give everything you got, then it's always going to end the same way. With you having a smile on your face. Because you gave it all you got. And you may cry. And you may be upset. And you may be down. 
But that should always turn into a smile because you gave it all you could. You brought it. You don't know how the world's going to respond to you, but you can affect how you respond to the world. So just be a good person and enjoy the morning. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. It is time for the morning menu. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora this morning on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you. Always happy to be here with you. And on today's broadcast in just a few minutes, joining me at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time as someone who's been on the show before is very supportive of the work that I do, and I thank him for that, and has been tremendous. Watches the videos on Friday, shows some love, and that is none other than the man they call Nate Trout. Nathan Trout will be joining me on the show today in just a little bit to speak with me on being a three-time straight Big East champion, three times, three years, 96, 97, 98, a three-time, three-peat Big East champion. We'll talk about that. We'll also discuss him coming back for the Florida State-Syracuse game this past weekend, being around his former teammates, and so much more. That's all going to be coming up here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, the kicker from 96 to 99. We'll share his thoughts today around 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. You can listen to Nate Trout, and the response I've gotten for having Nate Trout come on the show today has been incredible. So again, again, be you, love what you do, be yourself, don't apologize for being who you are, and have some fun. Because people get a bad rap, right? Kickers in general get a bad rap. Ah, who cares what the kicker does? This about a kicker, that about a kicker. Well, guess what? I put a kicker on my show today, and it's one of the most highly responded to posts that I have ever put up. And one of the most highly anticipated and excited, uh, like, kind of atmosphere and culture around it of somebody coming on the show. So, shout out to Nate Trout and all the people that love and support Nate Trout. And this just goes to show you that you got to be who you are. you got to love who you are, and that's it. That's the end of the story. There is no more to the story. If you're a kicker, you're important. If you're a punter, you're important. If you're a long snapper, you're important. Everybody's got worth. And don't, any, don't let anyone else tell you anything different. Everybody's got worth. And I always appreciate having Nate Trout on the show. I'm excited to have him back. So Nate Trout will be joining us around 9.15 a.m. Eastern time on the broadcast. And then in the back end of the first hour, you will hear from Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, and Alton Robinson in my conversation with them after my Q&A with them after their win over Florida State. And then you'll hear an extended opportunity with Evan Adams, right guard for the team, as well as cornerback Chris Frederick and quarterback Tommy DeVito. So you'll hear from Tommy DeVito, the quarterback of the team that stepped in and led them down the field and got them into the end zone for the first time and got his first career touchdown passing and first career touchdown rushing. 
and continue to lead the team en route to a 30-7 victory over Florida State at home inside the Carrier Dome. The first win that Syracuse has over Florida State in the ACC, and the first win that Syracuse has over Florida State in 52 years, dating back to 1966. So, Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, defensive end on the team, and fellow defensive end Elton Robinson, they all answered questions for me after the game itself, and then extended one-on-one conversations will follow that with right guard Evan Adams, cornerback Chris Frederick, and quarterback Tommy DeVito will re-enter Wake Up Call with Dan Satora with a more extended conversation following the win over Florida State and moving forward into the season. Then from there in the second hour of the show, we will wrap up week two of NFL action. Those of you that listened yesterday on Tuesday, September 18th, heard some of my analysis of week two. You'll hear the rest of it today for all football and sports fans alike starting off the second hour of the broadcast. And then to end the show, you'll hear my Q&As with the American Athletic Conference head coaches, Mike Norvell of Memphis, Sonny Dykes of SMU, Major Applewhite of Houston, Philip Montgomery of Tulsa, and Josh Heupel of UCF will all be joining the show. Those five coaches coming from the Power Six Conference of the American Athletic Conference will join me shortly here in the second hour of the show to round out today's broadcast. So that is what the show is going to look like. That's what we got for you this morning. We got some messages that came in yesterday. I want to make sure, and uh, this week, I want to make sure that I have this here. So once again, uh, I got some love. Congrats on the win. Jaguars looked really good, possibly the best team in the league. The one thing that I have to say is I'm going to have a poster made when I go to the train, and it's going to say, hey, hey, Patricia, and it will have the Reggie Miller choking sign because all this team does is choke. I can't take it anymore. That's coming from Johnny. And then we have another message. Josh Gordon gets his act together. You're going to see Randy Moss numbers. Maybe not quite those numbers, but he'll do very well. Yeah, this is my thing, and we're going to talk about this for a second here before we have Nate Trout come on the show in just a couple minutes, is that Josh Gordon has signed with the Patriots. Now, I thought that Josh Gordon had a good opportunity of signing with the Dallas Cowboys or the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Jaguars kind of learned because they went through everything with Justin Blackman, but... When I'm looking at teams that may want to add somebody, I said, okay, well, Jacksonville, there you go. You got a number one wide receiver. Then I looked to Dallas, who still doesn't have a number one wide receiver, so that made sense as well. The Jets were another team, young guy like Sam Darnold. That could help the team out, could be something for them. And so when I put this post up, when I put the poll up on Twitter, and I put up polls all the time, so make sure you check it out, that's at CallDT on Twitter, C-A-L-L-D-T. Make sure you follow me on there and answer the poll questions. I also put up the Niners. I said, where do you think Josh Gordon will end up? 38% of you, a lot of people voted in this. Thank you for all your votes. was huge. Dallas Cowboys, 38%. 31% San Francisco 49ers. 28% Jaguars. 3% New York Jets. And we also got a couple responses here. The Patriots is what somebody wrote. So shout out to at BridgeKid19, at BridgeKid19. So I'm putting it here, shouted you out live on the show today for being right. This is, uh, the, you know, this this is crazy that this guy, w- this guy was right. There was one guy that responded 
And Bo Brewer, who put a, whose name is at Bridge Kid nineteen one nine, and they and they said the Patriots, and it was before he signed with the Patriots. So I thought it was great that they that they put that up. And you know what? You got some intuition. Maybe maybe you should be joining me here on the air. So you were right. Congratulations to you. My favorite answer was from R Petty 84, who said, how is rehab not an option? Where do you think Josh Gordon will end up rehab? So I, (laughs) I thought, I thought, I mean, you know, I know that rehab is not a joke. I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm just saying that that to me kind of was an interesting take there. That, uh, that that was something that was said that rehab would be an option. So I said, what's your reaction to the Browns' release of Josh Gordon? 35% of you said you were shocked. 35% of you said it's about time. 13% confused. 17% let's move on. So I found it funny that it was a tie vote at the top with 35% shocked, 35% saying it's about time. So 35% of you were like, what the hell is going on? And another 35% were like, why didn't this happen sooner? So I found that interesting, that juxtaposition of the decision for the Browns to get rid of Josh Gordon and Josh Gordon ultimately ending up with the Patriots. Let's take a step aside and get ready to have Nate Trout on the show in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly... The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It's an honor and a privilege, as always, to welcome former Syracuse players back onto the broadcast. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora has been a proud home to so many former players from all different walks of different sports, different programs that have been at Syracuse University. We've spoken with current coaches and former coaches, current players and former players, future players as well, and it is always, always a great time to get them back onto the show. Nate Trout is somebody who I watched as a kid growing up and being in the Dome with my dad. Was a big fan of Nate Trout, a big fan of what he did and his kicking ability. I always feel like, and I've said this before, kickers, punters, long snappers, doesn't matter who you are, special teams in general, there needs to be respect for that position. There needs to be respect for that piece of the field because that unit is what is what dictates where another team starts and where your team starts as well. And the kicker and we've seen it in the NFL in week two. The kicker is such an important job, and when it comes down to it, there's 32 opportunities out there in the NFL, and if you miss a bunch of field goals, there's a chance that you might lose that opportunity and never get it back again. So the job of a kicker, there's a lot of pressure, and Nate Trout took that pressure and always did a great job with it. I'm always happy to have him here on the show, and I'm also happy to tell Nate that he's got a pretty pretty big fan base because the response I got for having him on the broadcast was huge just on Facebook alone. So, Nate, welcome to the show, and I guess welcome to the Nate Trout fan club that's listening in. Well, I always appreciate you having me on, Dan. I, I really do. Um, I'm glad I could be a part of it. And, Nate, what, what can you say about that, you know, being somebody that that has a strong following and, and a lot of love out there. I mean, when I when I tell people that, you know, former Syracuse players are going to be coming on to the broadcast, there's always there's always an appreciation and a respect for that, no matter the position, the player, or the time that they played. But with you, and especially this time around, there was so much support for having you back on the show and excitement for having you on the show. Do you feel that? Have you had a sense of that, or does that surprise you at all that there is so much around and so much support around you, so to speak? Well, I certainly appreciate that. It does surprise me somewhat. I mean, I've been gone for a long time. Um, and, you know, it's. Uh, I guess my parents do a good job of marketing me. Um, <laughs> I guess they still love me enough to, to share everything on Facebook. And when you when you look at when you look at your and I want to go into that for a second, you know I have I have a mom that that tells everybody what I'm doing and what's going on. So let's go into that a little bit with with your parents and what you were just talking about. You know what do your parents do to kind of share things and just what you could say about their support and their love for you and just how they put that out into the community. Well, my parents have one my my dad and mom have always been passionate about sports, so. Um, and you know, they bleed orange now. Um, my dad was up there this past weekend, a big fan of Syracuse orange. And, um, he's always followed the program heavily. Um, you know, we grew up Florida state fans. So it's funny that we were up at the game this past weekend and, um, but now we're orange fans. Of course I was rooting for Syracuse 
and uh, just like everyone else up there. But to be honest, my, my mom's dad played professional baseball, and uh, she's always been a big sports fan, always followed, not just myself, my brothers. And uh, my dad, of course, was always around the program, along with my grandfather when I was up there. Uh, knew a lot of the players and a lot of the parents, and it was part of really the, the, the team and, and part of the brotherhood that was up in that area when I was there. And, and when you see that connection that your family has had to the world of sports, like you said, you're speaking here with Nate Trout, former Syracuse kicker from 96 to 99. You said your family grew up Florida State fans, and you came up to the game, Florida State versus Syracuse, in Syracuse this past weekend with your dad and your brother. How Was it strange at all? Did I mean, I know that obviously you donned orange and blue, so it's easy for you to cheer on the orange. But, you know, with the rest of your family – was it was it kind of a, a difficult thing for them to fight what they used to be and then what they became with you going to Syracuse? How was that atmosphere being at the game, knowing that you all grew up Florida State fans, but were obviously cheering on the Orange that day? Well, I think that's a great question. But uh, uh, again, I think you know my family's all Syracuse now. Um, there is no Florida State. Um, I always uh, we always rooted for Florida State growing up ahead of Miami and Florida. Um, I still do ahead of them, um, but but my family's definitely turned to the uh, orange and blue. It has a lot of pride in the program and, and still follows it to this day. Now, following Florida State for as long as you have, Willie Taggart, the way he started things, there are, I, I think as of yesterday morning, three GoFundMe campaigns of fans trying to raise money to pay his buyout clause of $21.25 million so that he can essentially be fired. What do you think about stuff like that? That, that first of all, it's three games into his era, but that fans will start GoFundMe campaigns to try and raise money to fire a coach. Well, I mean, being a former college player, uh, I know how difficult it is for coaches and and kids to, you know, know, adapt to systems and all that. And I'm sure, I mean, he has a great resume and uh, he's coming into a, you know, a school with great athletes. There's no doubt about it. They have athletes all over the field. They've had, I think I heard eight top five in a row recruiting classes. He's going to turn that program around. Um, And again, there's nothing really to turn around. They've been great for so long. They're 0-3. If you remember the great teams we had at Syracuse, we started out, 0-2 0-2 and, and maybe 0-3 one year, and we went on eight or nine game winning streaks. And uh, I could see Florida State doing that again this year. That coming from Nate Trout hanging out with us this morning. Nate, you came up to the game. You got to be around your teammates. The number, I believe, the final number was 68 players returning from those mid to late 90s teams and, and obviously a three straight Big East championships. Bring me into the weekend what you got to do, who you got to be around when you came back to Syracuse. Well, I mean, I got to be around all 68 of them. Um, you know, I had my son with me, which was a new experience for him to meet, you know, some of the greats that we had, the Dana Cottrells, the, the uh, you know, the Don McNabbs, the Con- Conrads, the Bowens, and, and all the guys that were there. Um, it was great for him to, to be a part of that uh, this weekend. Um, but again, you know, it's kind of ironic. I haven't seen a lot of these guys in 20 years, and you never know what it's going to be like. Uh, after you see them and I don't know how they felt but honestly it felt like I was hanging out with them yesterday um it's a it's a brotherhood that can't be described unless you were a part of it and and it was like we picked up 20 years later right when we were um so it was a great feeling I had a great time it was great to be around the program again uh, I was 
really impressed with the new AD there. Um, a great guy, bleeds orange and blue. I think he's got a lot of th- good things in store. And, of course, the team won. And, uh, you know, they're turning that corner a little bit with Coach Babers now. And uh, it's definitely a lot of excitement around the program that I haven't seen in many years. You made the comment that you really liked the athletics director, John Wildhack, the current AD, who obviously went to Syracuse and then went on to ESPN and is back at Syracuse as the athletics director. Syracuse had Dr. Daryl Gross, and then in the middle – they had one guy for about 15 minutes, and so I mean, it, you know, it's a, and then and then you know, move forward to John Wildhack. So you know, with John Wildhack, you're not the first player that said this. Probably not going to be the last, but I, I spoke with a bunch of the guys about being at you know being at Syracuse and for this past weekend for the Florida State Syracuse game and all the festivities, and they echoed those sentiments that they like this athletics director. So what makes him special? What is it about his personality or what he's saying or how he's saying it? What makes you believe that this is that he's the real deal and, and that you know what he says is is what he's gonna work to do? Well, first and foremost, I'm a big fan of high schools and colleges bringing back alumni to bring a be a part of the program and he's an alumni of the program like you said um i think he said his father went there his grandfather went there as well he has passion about the orange and blue and syracuse university and what it represents and the history behind it and that was the first thing i noticed about him was his passion for the school and the history of the programs uh not just football but all the programs and uh So that was the first thing I noticed about him. Um, You know, the other thing is, too, he's really welcoming back. He said a lot of good things about how welcome we are back to the program and wants us to be a part of the program. And I remember when I was there, we had some greats always around the program, and it meant a lot to us. Um, I think you actually have a show with one of them, Rob Drummond, right? So he was always around. And I've only met him maybe once, and I don't know if he remembers me, but I remember him being there all the time. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some guys back as well and have that same impact that that some of those old-timers had when I was there. And you made the statement that, you know, Rob Drummond, and yeah, Rob and I are are very close friends. We're actually uh, getting lunch right after the show, believe it or not. And, you know, Rob... We've been doing the pregame show for years with with one another. We've been working together for probably about eight years or so. Kind of became friends and became you know uh, co-hosts at the same time. You said that he you know you remember him being around the program all the time and and he said to me numerous times that you know with with coaches that have come through and ads that have been here that you know he lives 15 minutes away and he trains players like 15 minutes away but nobody calls him nobody invites him back nobody's asked them to be there and they haven't had the greatest experience what did he mean to you when he would come back and visit i want to talk about this for for a few minutes so when rob would be there and like you said he was there all the time do you remember any messages or just the experience or or you know why why he was there just kind of i mean that was under paul pascaloni so just what that was like for you well i think that's a great question and uh just trying to remember back uh you know i I remember him working out all the time and being around the facility and again it gives you something to look up to these are guys that went through the same thing that we were going through at the time and uh, they're successful Uh, i know he played in the nfl some and and um, obviously he was from that area i believe and he was around working out hanging out with the guys and and passing on his knowledge to the younger people in the program 
and uh, you know that means a lot. At least it always did for me. Um, and there were several guys that came through and uh, were part of that, gave speeches to the team and all that. And again, it's it's that brotherhood that can't be described unless you're a part of it. And it was almost like me looking up to an older brother in a sense and looking for guidance and, and all that, how he acted um, and just trying to replicate that and representing the university in the right way. And when, when he would kind of, like you said, you know, speaking here with Nate Trout, who played for Syracuse from 96 to 99, a three-time, three-straight Big East champion, and you were talking about Rob Drummond coming back to the program, and, and like you said, you know, nobody can describe something better than, you know, someone who's been through it and, and been there and, you know, someone who's experienced that. And Rob and I talk about that all the time. Does it surprise you that somebody like him who was asked to come back under Pascaloni to, to speak with you guys – doesn't get asked to come back there. Scott Schwades, Tim Green, you know, the, these guys have not been asked to come back and to speak with the current team. Does that surprise you, and do you feel like the coaches should open the doors like they did with your team? Well, I think that's a great um, – another great question. Um, I, I do believe that they should. Um, you know, it's hard um, all the time, but I know Don Darius had a, an opportunity to speak to the team. And hopefully that culture comes back, and I believe it is. Um, you know, I know Coach Babers is fairly new into the system still. Um, but John, the AD, I think there's a lot of pride in the alumni and bringing them back. And I think that was proven this weekend. And so hopefully, you know, we're, we're starting to turn that. Um, at least from my perspective, and I can't speak for everybody, um, the alumni hasn't felt, from what I heard from other guys, hasn't felt welcome to be back in a long time. And I'll be honest, uh, I talked to a few people this weekend, and they said just from this weekend, like, I'm ready to get back involved. I'm ready to be at games. I'm ready to travel and support the team and the program and uh, pass on what we went through to the current young players. Um, and hopefully that the, the program supports that and wants us to be a part of that. That coming from Nate Trout, and like you said, you know, guys saying, echoing the sentiments of Rob, we haven't felt welcome back, and now, you know, hopefully that's changing, and the feeling is changing this time around, you know, 68 players coming back, you guys got to go out on set, bring me into to that moment, because you got to go out on, onto the field during the game, you all got to be together to take a, to take a big picture, and, and I was able to, to get a picture of that, take a snap of that, and, and put that out there to everybody, but you know, you got to go out onto the field with all the guys, take and take this picture and have this moment. Bring me into being back in the dome, being with everybody, and being able to celebrate on the field again. You know, I haven't been excited for a college football game in a long time, and, and uh, you know, maybe it was because my son was there and my dad, but but and being around the teammates. But I was literally hyped to be there. I couldn't wait for the game. Um, I was actually glad it was a noon game because it was going to start earlier. Uh, but again, you know, being back in the dome, it's been ten plus years since I've been back, and it, it, the dome's always a great atmosphere. Um, and, and I was pretty happy with the way the uh, fans turned out. Obviously, we would like to get about fifty thousand in there for games, and hopefully, winning will cure that you know, moving forward. But you know, again, it, it's it's like I never left these guys. Um, they were. 
it's like I saw them yesterday and we were hanging out in the locker room and everyone's ribbing each other and, and hanging out and having good times and, and talking about old times. And, uh, it was great listening to stories, of you know, Don McNabb talking about him playing in the NFL and Keith Bullock and, um, you know, Rob Connor and all those guys talking about their experience in the NFL playing against each other and things like that. And, and, uh, it was just a great, honestly, a laid back atmosphere and, uh, good to catch up with everybody for sure. And when you and 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 my apologies, I know you said your father and your son were there. I said brother by accident here, but shout out to everybody because you've been talking about them here this morning. That your dad, your dad's name, give him a shout out, and your son, and and how old your son is because this has got to be a special moment as a father as well. Yeah, my son uh, Marcus Trout, uh, who ironically we named after my grandfather, who was maybe the biggest Syracuse fan there was, um, and then my dad Mark Trout. Um, so we, we uh, all went up there to to uh, have a great experience, and I think it was well worth it for everyone to be there. What was it like for for Marcus to to see his dad and all this all this you know all these festivities and this this hoopla around around you and the team and all that? I mean, did you have that that moment where you know your son Marcus kind of looks up at you like, "Wow, Dad, I didn't know I didn't know it was this big or that you know this is special because." You know, that's got to be a proud moment for a son and a father, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, you know, I don't. we've always talked about Syracuse and me playing, and, of course, he wasn't born then and he's never seen it. So I don't think he understood the impact or what it was really all about. Um, so I think uh, him being around, and it's funny, we walked into the restaurant and Dom McNabb was there. Dom McNabb kind of tackled him from behind and kind of wrestled with him a little bit. And, I mean, how many kids – can say that happened to him, you know, so, um, we definitely had a good time. Uh, uh, he hung out late nights with us, um, and, uh, was all part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, part of the locker room talk and, and being around it, which was a great experience for him, I believe. And, uh, of course we got to go see Syracuse, uh, uh beat Florida state. He keeps telling me he's going to break all my records up there. So hopefully one day he will. And how old is your son? He's 11. So long way to go. <laughs> So, 11 years old, looking up at Dad, going, hey, Dad, guess what? I'm about to break all these records just like you broke them before. That's pretty sweet. Yep, yep. I hope he does. So, we'll see. Coach Babers needs to start recruiting him and offer him a scholarship already. There you go, Marcus, Marcus Trout. Yeah, listen, you've, you've heard it, and it's happened before. There's been eight-year-old quarterbacks that USC's offered offered opportunities to somehow, some way. So, uh, Nathan, before I let you go, uh, you said about the locker room talk. You mentioned Donovan Darius. I had the opportunity to, uh, ironically, I cover Syracuse and I cover the Jaguars, and Donovan Darius went from Syracuse to playing for the Jaguars, and so we ended up being on the same flight down to Jacksonville after the Syracuse game, and we spoke a little bit about his speech in the locker room. What can you say about that? Were you there for that? And, and what was the experience like? Because you mentioned the locker room, and he mentioned the locker room. So just to tell everybody to have kind of that fly on the wall, what, what that experience was like. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't hear him, but I can only imagine Don that everybody in there, whether you're a parent or your kids, probably ready to run through a wall for him. I mean, the guy's so inspirational. Uh, he always has been. Uh, what a great man and a great teammate and a great leader we had in that program. And um, obviously he's doing all the inspirational things now. And I couldn't imagine a better person to, to do that, uh, the way that he's lived his life and the way that he's led, not only you know Syracuse but Jacksonville. Um, and obviously he's a part of that community as well. So, I mean, 
again, I wasn't in the, in the speech, but I can only imagine what it was like and uh, how great it was. 1996-1997-1998-3-straight-Big-East-Championships-Bring-Me-Into-That-Special-Moment-Since-It's-Been-A-Long-Time-Since-Syracuse-Has-Hoisted-A-Championship-Trophy-The-ACC-Is-Extrem
or a Steven Guskowski or an Alindo Mare who came from Syracuse. Who went. There's a lot of guys that found longevity and have held on to that. A Mason Crosby, a Justin Tucker, Mike Hollis back in the day for the Jaguars, Chris Boniel as well for the Cowboys and the Eagles. So what do you think about, I mean, because the thing is, they I, from the outside looking in, you always, if a kicker misses anything, an extra point, a field goal from 60 yard, whatever, people expect you to make it. They say, that's your job. That's your only job. And I think it's, I think it's ignorant. I think it's naive and I think it's detached because it's so hard to be a kicker, so hard to boot it through the uprights. And at the end of the day, if you make a couple mistakes in the NFL, you might lose a job and never get another job again. So speak to how, how much pressure is on your shoulders, because I think it should come from a kicker to tell the rest of the world, hey, this job isn't as easy as you might think it looks. Well, you know, it's, it's uh, ironic. There's probably only two or three open kicker jobs per year in the NFL, if that, maybe one or two um, overall, because guys stay for so long, especially the good ones, like you said, Benetaria and Lindo and those guys. Uh, but it, it's, it's a tough position, and I, I don't want to make it more than it is. Uh, we all have a job to do, and uh, unfortunately, when we make a mistake, it, it's for everyone to see. Um, and you always uh, feel for that, for the other guys that are going through that. I, you know, I know the uh, – uh, the Cleveland kicker this week and the Minnesota kicker and and even the the guy from Packers uh, this week who's been great uh, missed that game winner as well um, but you know it's kind of in the nature of the beast um, you know you miss a few key kicks and next thing you know you're cut and you're moving on uh, but uh, you know again being having that background you always kind of have a little bit more sympathy towards them uh, but again, we have a job to do, and you got to do it. You're part of the team, just like everybody else, and they expect you to perform just like everyone else on the team. That coming from Nathan Trout. Nathan, finally for you for this broadcast, and, and obviously look forward to having you back very soon. And thank everybody for their support of Nathan Trout and of the Syracuse teams of the past, present, and future. Nathan, uh, Paul Pascaloni. I've always been a favorite of him. I mean, I grew up watching him. My dad brought me as a kid to the Dome, and that's the coach I saw all the time. And then I got to interview him when he was at UConn, and, and then I got to connect with him again through Steve Adazio when he went to Boston College. Now he's the defensive coordinator of the Lions. This man has been on the Texans, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Lions, Boston College, UConn, Syracuse, been all over the place, very well connected, old school coach. What can you tell me about Paul Pascaloni from your eyes? Well, I think the thing that, uh, at least from my perspective, I had a lot of respect for him. Um, he, he taught you things outside of football, you know, dress up when you go to meetings, be on time, and, and things that, you know, treat people with respect um, and things of that nature. So his impact on me wasn't necessarily on the football field. It was how you're going to represent yourself the rest of your life. And, and uh, he was always good at that. Um, and, again, I, I think that shaped our teams at the time. Uh, and we didn't realize it because we were so young. But that shaped our how we were going to be as men moving on and, um, you know, and fathers and things of that nature. So he, I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for him. I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, I'd love to see him again, you know, sometime in the future. But he, uh, he's obviously busy coaching all the time, <laughs> 
but again, his impact for me was not on the field. It was off the field. And, and as you grow in his program, he gains more and more respect for you as a person, um, you know, as long as you're doing what you need to do to uh, be, be represent the university and the football team the right way. Do you think, even though Dino Babers is working to change things right now and there's positives, I don't want to take away from any positives, do you think the beginnings of the struggles for Syracuse came when they fired Paul Pasqualoni? I think that uh, I think Coach P, um, you know, could have lived out his contract at the time for sure. Um, Coach P, um, again, represented the community and the university the right way for a long time. You know, I wasn't involved at the time. I don't know. Being there's a new AD coming in. Um, I just know when he left that the alumni was not the same after that as far as representing, wanting to represent the school and all that stuff. Um, now, take that for whatever it's worth. Um, you know, he, he obviously had a lot of wins. Uh, we won a lot of bowl games. And, you know, that year we went 6-5, and five, the year after he got fired. But the year he got fired, we went to a bowl game. And I think we took that for granted at the time because we didn't go for quite a while after that. So that was definitely kind of a, a gap, um, you know, between him and Marone to get to the uh, get back to bowl games. Absolutely, and that coming from Nathan Trout, Paul Pascaloni in the history, nineteen ninety six, seven and eight in the history of the Big East as champions before the Big East ultimately dissolved. So getting some of those championships before it was all said and done. Nathan Trout, you know, you know, I appreciate having you here on the broadcast. I'm happy you got to bring your dad and your son. We're looking for looking forward to Marcus Trout getting an offer from Dino Babers after this show. And uh, I definitely look forward to having you back on the show very soon. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. And coming from Nathan Trout, once again, one of my favorite kickers I've ever watched. And, you know, it's just, it's funny to me. It really is funny to me how people underestimate and underappreciate kickers. And even like, uh, even like you heard from Nate Trout saying, you know, that it was kind of underappreciated that Paul Pascaloni gets fired for going six and six, you know, and for bringing a team to a bowl game. So, you know, the mentality of, well, you know, you need to do better, you need to do better, you need to do better, and then you lose Paul Pascaloni and you kind of look at life saying, well, it's always that, you know, the grass is greener. Ah, you know, I don't need to be with this girl. I've dated her for years. You know, she's pretty good. My family likes her. We have a good time. We laugh. We joke around. You know, we're romantic with each other. We've taken some nice trips, but I'm kind of ready for something new, and I kind of feel like there's something better out there. And then you go, and you're like, oh, my God, I wish I had her. I wish I was with her, and where is she now? And, and it's, oh, she's in the NFL. So, you know, it's just kind of... It's just kind of that feel, and, and, and hopefully for the Syracuse fans' sake, Dino Babers and everything that he's working to do, that he'll have some longevity and he'll stick around because it's funny how it went from Paul Pascaloni wanted to be here, seemingly, and Syracuse kicked him out the door, to Syracuse can't keep a head coach here that is good. And so Dino's getting better, and there's going to come a time, maybe after this season or maybe after next season, maybe after this season, I'm feeling more so, that you know we're going to see is Syracuse sold on Dino, is Dino sold on Syracuse, and is this a marriage that's going to continue? Because it's important that what he's building continues to grow and expand, but it's funny how Syracuse goes from a school saying, okay, you know what, we don't need you, to 
now being a school begging for somebody to come in to stick around. And for Dino Babers and what he's done so far, that hope is that he will stick around, I think, at this point. And if the school wants to continue their positive moves toward the right direction, I would venture to say that Dino and this school have to make sure that both are taken care of and both feel good in their positions as they move forward. With that being said, we're moving forward here on the broadcast, taking a step aside for a fast break to hear from some of our great partners in central and upstate New York that help to make your days awesome every single day. These are tremendous people working very hard. They're not just businesses throwing a commercial out there. They're people in the community that care about this community. A lot of them grew up in this community and call this community home now. And they care just as much about the community as you do. And I that's why they work with me. That's why we're here. So you'll hear from them, and then you will hear from Syracuse's current players in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us central and upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. 
It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Thank you for everybody that's listening in this morning. You just heard from Nathan Trout, a three-time in a row Big East champion, 1996, 97, and 98. He was there from 96 through 99 under Paul Pascaloni, winning games. That was back when Syracuse was winning eight to nine games a season. Eight to nine. They only played 12 now. Eight to nine games a season. Winning about 75%. How about that? 75% of their games. Fans would love to see that now. So Nate Trout, and I love the words that he said about Rob Drummond. I mean, and the thing is, him and I have never talked about that. So all the conversations you've heard Rob and I speak about, about going back to the team and why isn't he speaking to the team and why aren't other guys speaking to the team and bringing the team together and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you should hear from the people that went through the trenches that you're going through right now. And then he brings up Rob Drummond and says, hey, you know, Rob used to talk to us and it meant a lot to us because he went through it before we did. Couldn't have been more perfect. I can't wait to tell Rob at lunch today. Coming up here right now after the game, after Florida State was down by Syracuse 30-7, to had some quick conversations with Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, and Elton Robinson, Q&As inside of the press conferences that were after the game, and then we'll hear some extended cuts with a bunch of the guys. But this is what DeVito had to say to me about the day where he got his first rushing touchdown and first, re- and first throwing touchdown ever as a collegiate player. First pass touchdown, first rush touchdown, back-to-back on back-to-back drives. You know, really the same stuff that we practice in practice, you know, same looks. So, you know, you just have to go out there and have fun and play football. You know, all the guys rally behind me, so, you know, we just have to right there. And going from there to speaking with Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, and Elton Robinson. Tommy DeVito, I asked all three of them this question. I said to Tommy, what can you say about the defense and what they were able to do in this game, forcing as many punts as they did and getting an interception and minimizing the points 30-7, to you know, only allowing seven points to Florida State and that touchdown coming late in the game. Just what Tommy DeVito can say about what the defense did to help him and then Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson, what Tommy did to help them 
on defense. So kind of, you know, just looking at both sides of the field here, Tommy DeVito, what do you think about the defense? And then Kendall and Alton, what do you think about Tommy and the offense and what they were able to do? And this is how they responded. Well, I mean, for the defense, almost allowing Florida State to score seven points throughout the whole game, it's really like, geez, the offense needed to step up. You know, they gave us a chance to win. That was a really tremendous job on their part. Um, on, on our part, on defense, uh, mentality that they can't score, they can't win. It seems pretty simple. Uh, easier said than done. But what was major was seeing Tommy come in and drive the offense down the field, take time off the clock, and put the ball into the end zone when we needed him to. And uh, that was that was pretty much a turning point in the game for us, really starting to shut it down. Yeah, what I liked about Tommy today is um, he didn't blink, he didn't flinch, he came in and uh, made the offense roll. That coming from the three gentlemen right after the game, Elton Robinson, Kendall Coleman, and Tommy DeVito. And now for more expansive conversations that I got to have with the players. Here's Evan Adams, the right guard of the team on the offensive line, an offensive line that worked well to protect Tommy DeVito and also helped run the ball in these first three games for the Syracuse Orange. There was one play that stood out to me more than most of the runs that was out there in this game against Florida State, and that's a run where Evan Adams just created some space and started to push one of the defensive players forward, and Mo Neal went right behind him, put his hand on his back, and rode him all the way to a first down. And I go into Evan Adams on that play, a play where we truly see that without your line, it's hard to be a runner. This was a play where Evan Adams created a seam and pushed it down the field, and Mo Neal took full advantage of it. This is what Evan, Evan Adams had to say about that and so much more. I mean, that was great blocking by the whole O-line. Gapping unit was great. Saw, saw a hole, took it up, and uh, Mo was just following his blocker. I saw, saw two dudes in front of me, blocked away, and this was a good play all around. You always see the skilled guys get the credit for it, but he utilized you and rode you the whole way through there. Just what yeah. you can say about how this offensive line has improved this year. Oh, we've been, we've improved tremendously. Like uh, service, you know, seeing as he's a center, he's grown with maturity, and you know, age just just helps him. Coda, uh, seeing as he's from. Uh, from another offense, you know, and he has experience doing all types of things that we don't do. He helps us out. He helps us with certain techniques. Uh, Sam Heckle rotating in with us. He's another great player. And uh, Aaron, great veteran. Um, and then Cody, of course, being a left tackle, he's always he's always consistently good and making good plays. So we've improved on the offseason thanks to Coach Cavanaugh, you know, being hard on us and making us great. Speak on sticking with the run. It didn't work sometimes in the first half, trying to pound, pound mm -hmm. it through, not scoring on the one-yard line. Okay. And the offensive scheme was to stay with it. The coaches said to stay with it. And you guys were able to continue to move the ball forward when it counted the most. Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a tough one not scoring on that goal line. But you know, our coach believes in us and what we do. And, and if coach tells us to keep running the ball, we will keep running the ball. And we're a physical O line, so we believe that it was going it was going to happen eventually. So. Eric Dungy's in there. Then Tommy DeVito comes in. When DeVito comes in, he's a redshirt freshman. He's yep. got a little bit of time this season. But coming into this game, he was able to lead not only a scoring drive, but back-to-back -back scoring drives. He got his first career rushing touchdown, first career passing touchdown. Just what you can say about what he did in this game. Tommy's a great quarterback, and he, he deserves he deserves all the credit that, that he does get. And uh, 
Dungy, Dungy's always been a, the go-to guy because he's fearless. He does whatever he needs to for the team. He runs, he passes, doesn't matter. And uh, Tommy, Tommy coming into the game, it's, it's good. It's a good change-up because you know they're both explosive quarterbacks, and you can't expect them to do one thing or the other. So it all depends. We know that your offense can score the ball. It was a little bit quiet in the first half of the game. Just what you could say about what the defense was able to do and able to carry this team forward. You guys scored in the second half, did what you needed to do, but just how important the defense was and just what they did in this game. Defense is always important. Uh, the D-line did a great job this game, and I feel like I feel like they're only going to get better. Kendall, Kendall Coleman being a leader, Chris Slayton being a, a very strong leader on this defense, and I feel like with, uh, with all the experience that we have on the D-line this year, we're going to do just fine. Jarvion Howard, freshman on the team, he was able to break <laughs> open a big one, 45 yards. Right before the play, I looked at one of the guys in the booth and I said, I think he's going to be good this year. Oh. And then he got all the way down there. Jarvion, we call him the muscle hamster. He's a <laughs> he's a, he's a strong kid, good kid from Mississippi, and he just loves to play ball and have fun. I mean, he brings positivity to the O-line. You know, if we have a bad play, he's the first one in our face telling us to get up and just, just relax and keep doing our thing. And Jarvion is going to be a, a great addition to the offense when, when he figures it all out. What can you say about all of the guys that are out there running the ball from Moniel to Dante Strickland to Jarvion Howard? I mean, there were so many different guys that were a big part of this, and, and you're blocking for these guys. Just what you can say about the talent? Uh, I'm just happy that we have so many different backs that give different kind of looks and, and have different aspects and qualities that make them great. Mo, his quickness, Strick, his experience and smarts, Jarvion. I don't even know what he is. He's just <laughs> he's just a, a, a monster out there, and we, we expect great things out of all our backs because we Coach Babers does a good, good job of recruiting kids that are fast, explosive, and, and, and great players all around. So I, I expect to see a lot out of them. You mentioned the offensive line individually, each of the guys. Mm -hmm. As a collective, what's made you so much better this year? As I said before, great coaching by Coach Cavanaugh. Um, on the off season, even even when I was out of spring ball for a little bit, he he was very very specific on what he wanted from me, and uh, I I gave it to him. Uh, he he expects he expects the best, and we give him what we have. You see, under I mean, you've been here the whole time mm -hmm. under Dino Babers to get to win the win inside the Carrier Dome under against Virginia Tech, mm -hmm. and then the win over Clemson, and now the yeah. win over Florida State. Three well-respected teams inside mm -hmm. of the ACC, your conference. Just what it says about where Syracuse is and what you're building right now. It just shows the progress that that Coach Babers has been talking about the whole time. I mean, people have doubted us. You know, people have said they were in our corner, but really haven't been in our corner, and. Now to show them that we, we are what Coach Baber says we are, it's, it's really big and important thing for us to show that, you know? And lastly, for me, just what you can say about Dino's post-game talks. I mean, obviously they get carried all over the place, but what it's like to be in there? It's energy, endless energy. <laughs> Coach Babers is not really a big talker, but when he does speak, it has a great, great impact on the team and our energy and how we feel, feel towards the win. I definitely love to see Coach Babers get, get hype and energized because usually he's a pretty stoic guy, but now, now seeing him get some energy, I'm really enthused. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. 
Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Unica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We back, we back, we back, we back, we back again. We back, we back, we back, we back, we back, we back again. That is a line from the great poet Mace, also known as Mason Betha, also known as Bad Boy, also known as Bad Boy Records, number 22P Diddy. Just to let you know, for those of you playing the home game, happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday. Let's have some fun. Let's keep it going this morning. You just heard from Evan Adams before the fast break, and now you'll hear my extended cut conversation with Chris Frederick. Chris Frederick on the defensive side, he had the interception in the game that switched fields. It looked like DeAndre Francois had set up an opportunity for a touchdown. He had a receiver running down the right sideline, and and in front of him, instead of following the receiver down the sideline, he stopped, he pivoted, he turned, and he found that ball, grabbed it out of midair, kept it from the trajectory of getting to the receiver, and ended up taking it in the other direction into Florida State territory. That is Chris Frederick, and this is what he had to say to me about what he saw on that play that turned into the interception. Well, I mean, it started off with just a single receiver. Um, then they motioned the back out with the empty. So the way we played is I go man him up. And um, we tried to take an outside release, and then he went back in. And um, I know Francois likes to, likes to line drive his throws. 
So um, I just took a chance and undercut it. Uh, he line drive and I was able to make a play on it. You've been a part of this program in the Dino Babers era for these big time wins. This one, what did this feel like? Did it get that same feel like last season? Was it different? I mean, there was also that notion that there was no underdog feel to this. You guys commanded it all the way through. Yeah, this felt like more of a more of a dominating win. I mean, it felt like um, felt like we just we're just a better team than them. When you look forward at, at UConn, what do you see from them? I know David Pindell, their quarterback, has tried to kind of blossom this season, do some things early on. They've struggled offensively at times. What have you seen from him on film? Um, seeing that their quarterback is a he's a playmaker. Um, um, as long as we contain him, we'll be fine. But um, I think he's clearly their, their best offensive threat. His defense has stepped it up in, in this past game against Florida State. Outside looking in, it looked like the best defensive stance that has been made in the mm -hmm. Dino Babers era. Did you feel that way going back to it? Um, yes, I felt that way also. Um, I think we could have had him at zero without the passing fans call. But yeah, I feel like um, but this is a, our most complete game we played since the Babers been here. And when you look at the defensive backs as a whole, what can you say about that room? Because it, it seems like this season there's a lot more depth than there has been. Just what you can say about the guys that are behind you and the guys on the other side as well. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a lot more depth. Um, we push each other uh, every day. Um, we got a lot of uh, experience Well, for the, um, the first teamers. We got a lot of experience, and um, I, I think it's starting to show. A healthy Antoine Cordy, just what that means this season? Um, it, it means a lot for our defense, as you can see already. Um, I think he made, I remember one play he made on the screen, it was like um, he went in between two linemen and tackled uh, Patrick. It was like those type of plays, like if he didn't make that tackle, it would have been like a, a big play. So he's big time player. Kylan Wintner, he was a defensive back, moved into linebacker. He had a big play on DeAndre Francois where he cheated up to the line and got through. Just what you can say what he's been to the defense. Um, he's been a, a major key, all the backers, but um, yeah, um, you know, they, they haven't got a lot of experience playing, but uh, I think they're doing a great job. Um, I think better than uh, everybody expected, but uh, I mean, I knew he would do well. Uh, coming from spring, Camp he'd always been playing well. But it's good to see it uh, actually in the game. And lastly, for me, the defensive line, the quicker they go and, and the more pressure that they create, obviously makes your job easier. Just what you can say about guys like Kingsley Jonathan, Kendall Coleman, Elton Robinson, and so forth. Um, I mean, yeah, they make our jobs a lot easier. Um, I know every time every time I look back for the ball, they were always in the quarterback's face. And, um, um, going forward, I think that's going to be a, a big part of um, the secondary play as well. That coming from Chris Frederick once again. Chris Frederick pulling off the lone interception of the game for the Syracuse Orange. The Syracuse Orange have now had an interception, at least one interception, in all of their games. All of their games this season. At least one interception so far this season. Huge for this defense as they look to get better, get stronger, and creates more opportunities to get themselves off the field. Because like I said before, a high-powered offense puts the defense on the field a lot because they're trying to move the ball down the field fast, score fast, and score as much as they can. So that puts the defense on the field a lot. So what makes it better for the defense is when the defense says, thank you for putting us on the field so many times, here's five of those chances back. That's what helps everybody. That's what gets everything on the right side. That's when... That's what helps everything move forward. So with that being said, 
moving forward Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito on the offensive side of things, he stepped in and made it happen. I asked him about going back and looking at the film from the game against Florida State and if he saw anything that he wanted to tweak a little bit. And this is what he had to say about that. You know, a bunch of little things, like as far as noticing things with the defense, noticing things with myself, you know, learning an extra little bit about the offense, about where I might not be protected, or like my footwork on a certain thing that can just help me be a split second better, because, you know, in the ACC with this competition, everybody's moving around fast and every split second counts. He had a lot of guys that could run the ball, Jarvion Howard coming in, as well as Mo Neal, Dante Strickland. Just what you can say about the weapons when you are out there, what they do to open up the game for you as a quarterback. Oh, it's awesome. You know, when you have running backs, they're able to run the football behind the line that's getting pushed like no other. You know, it really opens up the pass game because then the linebackers are playing in the box, the safety's eyes are in the backfield, and that's when our receivers can really make plays good on the field. Ravion Pierce, just what you can say to me about it. He had a lot of energy in this game. Just, just what he is to you in practice, in the locker room, just what type of player he is. He's always a dude probably with the most energy in my eyes. You know, he's always flying around, making plays, you know, keeping, he's always in the game. Even when the offense is not on the field, he's always in the game cheering on the defense, you know. Everybody kind of feeds off that, so it's great having him out there. Dino spoke with you, obviously, in recruitment, and, and the staff spoke with you about coming here and just what their message was. From what you heard to what it has become, do you feel like what they told you has translated over onto the field? Yes, for sure. I mean, everything that Coach Baber said to me and the coaching staff has always been black and white. When I was getting recruited, they told me how I was going to be, what was going to happen, what they thought, and I had to respect it. What can you say about that process and having to wait a little while and then get this opportunity? You've obviously early on in the season have not only been in the games but were a huge part of that victory over Florida State. I mean, you were the guy out there doing what you needed to do. Right. You know, it's always just preparation. You know, you always have to be ready because the number can get called at any time. You know, so I've always been told since I was younger to stay ready like you're the starter for everything. First game against Western Michigan. What did you take away from that game that could help you get to where you needed to be with Florida State? Just the confidence part of it, you know, just reminding myself that it is a football game, you know, you got to have fun, you know, little things like just playing football. I mean, it just felt good to be out there, and it's just confidence growing ever since. Did you feel the jitters in that first game? Did, did, did it feel different to you than this Florida State game? The first game, honestly, after the first drive, you know, it didn't really kind of feel real, you know, after not being hit or for however long it was. You know, it felt, it felt good, and ever since then, you know, I feel a lot better. And what can you say about what the team has done to be around you with this? I mean, obviously Eric Dungey had to come out, and if that is to happen again or whatever that may be moving forward, your number would be called again. Just what you can say about the atmosphere and the environment, how the guys have come around you as a leader as you move forward. Right, you know, it's awesome. All the guys right behind me as far as... As far as being on the sideline, you know, it's a lot of communication things. So whatever a receiver might see, whatever a running back might see, you know, we're always on the same page, and that helps us moving forward. And lastly for me, just you said about the message from Dino was clear, black and white, from the first day to what it is now. How is his message translated? What, what did he tell you coming in about what Syracuse was going to become, and what do you think it is right now? You know, it's all a process. You know, you just got to stay, stay through the process. You know, it's going to be ups and downs in the road, and if you stay to the end, you're going to like the end result. That coming from Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, the quarterback that stepped in after being redshirted last season, stepped in against Western Michigan, and ultimately had to step in in this game after there was some blurriness in the vision of Eric Dungy. Tommy DeVito steps into the game and ends up leading the team to the promised land, gets them in the end zone, something they didn't do with Dungy out there. And so he leads them there in the second half. They make it happen. They win the game 30-7 to after going up 6 to nothing in the first half. They win the game 30 to 
seven. And speaking of winning games, I want to get to the NFL and let you know what's going on here. Yesterday with Wake Up Call on the road as I traveled back from Jacksonville to Syracuse, and I got to tell you, the weather's actually been comparable in Florida and New York, which is pretty freaking awesome. Then in central New York, it's warm and sunny, and down in Jacksonville, it was warm and sunny. So I love it. I think it's great. So, you know, I would take it all year. If we got like 75 and sun, oh, my God, I'd take it all year long, jump in a pool. I would be in my element, folks, by every stretch of the imagination. I'd be relaxing and enjoying it. So if we could maybe just not have so much of a winter and have more of a more of a, a nice, you know, kind of 65, 75, you know, fall, and that, that'd be great. It's a little extended fall and some positive coming from that. That would be wonderful. So I would definitely welcome that with open arms. <laughs> so so I just throw that up to God, and they say if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So I'm not going to say that I'm planning on it, but I'm going to say that I'm hoping about it. We'll see what happens from here. And, you know, with me looking at uh, looking at what's been going on in the NFL, I'm sorry, I just saw something about Vontae Davis. I mean, it's got to pain you as a Bills fan. It has to, as a Bills fan, not only is your quarterback getting sacked at least five times a game to start the season, six in the first game, five in the second game, but you have a player who retires in the middle of a game. Like, I don't even want to go out there. I don't even want to put my body out there one more time. And I read what Vontae Davis said, and it was very, you know, it, it was well thought of, and, and it, it was just, I, I thought that there were some good things in there, some good moments. It put He put some thought into what he wrote is what I'm essentially trying to say over here. But at the same time, I mean, he left the team during halftime. It's like, I'm going to go sit in the stands, get a cheeseburger, guys. I'm not playing this game no more. Like, you got to – it takes – it's one thing to be a Bills fan and say that there's been some trying times or that it confuses you that the team didn't know who their quarterback was going into training camp or out of training camp. They traded for A.J. McCarron, then they let him go. They traded for Corey Coleman as a wide receiver and then let him go and don't really know who their top wide receiver is with that. LaShawn McCoy's got his off-the-field stuff that could cause a problem. Maybe it doesn't cause a problem. So ultimately, it's been a you-know-what show in Buffalo. And on top of that, to add insult to everything going on, Vontae Davis at halftime goes, hey, y'all, it's been real. Thanks for giving me a job. I don't want to play any. I don't want to play football anymore. I mean, it's it's just you know to drive a man to not want to play football anymore. And obviously, I'm kidding. I don't think that they are the reason why you know. But I just find it really funny that Buffalo has been going through so much, and that this on top of all of that is happening. That Vontae Davis is saying, "I don't think I want to play football anymore, guys." And he just happens to be in Buffalo. So pretty nuts. Pretty crazy. But to a Buffalo fan, it's it's just a typical Wednesday. So, so I mean, it's just I don't I really don't I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But I feel for you. I hope the best for you, Buffalo. I have you know some of my favorite teams have been at the bottom of the barrel. So I understand and I feel I feel your pain. I'm trying to laugh through the pain with you here, but. I can honestly tell you in almost 16 years of doing this thing, I and being a fan forever in a day of sports, I don't recall ever a time where a player quit at halftime. They might have quit on the field. Maybe they didn't try as hard. You know, Terrell Owens and Randy Moss and so on and so forth. But 
Chad Ochocinco. But I don't remember a guy who literally was like, I'm packing up my locker. Thanks for the fun time. I'll see you guys later. Pretty intense, pretty crazy, pretty strange as we move forward here in the NFL season without Vontae Davis. Very, very strange. Another thing that's strange is the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, wants to look like Connor McGregor, who fought Floyd Mayweather. And I said this on the show yesterday. To get into this game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 2-0 without Jameis Winston. And this is, you know, people say this all the time. If you don't appreciate your job, you may not have it when you come back to look for it. So, you know, that's, that's an issue. It's definitely an issue. And guys, you know, they think, oh, I got my job because some of these teams give it back to them. If Le'Veon Bell came back today, he'd be my backup to James Conner. You might call me crazy. I don't really care. He would be my backup to James Conner because James Conner did everything he was supposed to do. And if you have a child that constantly is breaking the rules and you're letting him off, but you're punishing your other kid, that kid is not go- that's going to resent you as a parent. They're not going to be happy. They're going to rebel more because they're going to say, screw it. They don't get in trouble. I always get in trouble. So this isn't fair. This isn't right. And there's going to be disdain. There's going to be anger. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be... There's going to be pain that comes from that. You can't say, hey, guys, you know, Le'Veon's not going to be here, but when, as soon as he comes back, we're going to treat him like gold. I'm not saying treat him poorly, but I most certainly would not pull a job away from somebody for Le'Veon Bell. And with Jameis Winston, I'd sit his butt right on the bench because Ryan Fitzpatrick's 2-0. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like an 80s... I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it. An 80s pimp? I mean, I <laughs> I don't really know. The hair slicked back, the long beard, the glasses indoors, the chains, the chest hair, the open shirts. I mean, I can tell you that I love it because I kind of do. But it's also, it's also very much WWE in the NFL. So, I mean, it's interesting. But at this point, I'm thinking if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm going to live it up. Because... I'm typically not a declared starter unless somebody gets hurt. People underestimate me and think that I'll underperform consistently. And even the team that I'm on that I help win, when their quarterback comes back from being suspended or being this or being that, they get the job. So I'm going to live it up. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be how I want to be and do what I want to do because, damn it, I'm going to enjoy my life and I'm going to enjoy this chance while I got it because I don't know if it'll ever come back again. And I don't know if I'll have the opportunity when all is said and done to be the starter. You know, if Jameis comes back from being suspended and they just take it away from me again. So, you know, Tampa is 2-0 and and Ryan Fitzpatrick is a massive part of this. He threw four touchdowns in the game. Four touchdowns in the game. Shall we look at Ryan Fitzpatrick through this season so far? I think we shall. Ryan Fitzpatrick, through two games this season, against the New Orleans Saints, went to New Orleans on a team that scores a lot of points, whose offense has always been good in recent history. And when Doug Marone was there under Sean Payton, this offense was surging then and it's surging now. Four touchdowns, no picks at New Orleans win the game. And then four touchdowns and one interception at home against against Philadelphia, the reigning Super Bowl champions. He has eight 
touchdowns to one interception in two weeks. He threw 75% completion percentage against New Orleans and 81.8% completion percentage against Philadelphia. So his percentage got better of completed passes when he played up against the reigning national championship team that has a good defense. 81.8% he goes. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the best quarterbacks out there right now. And yeah, I'm saying it because I don't care what you thought going into the season. I don't care what you think about Tampa. I don't care what you think about the situation. I'm telling you by the numbers, this is a good quarterback. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has had these moments in the the past where he's good, good, bad, good, pretty good, bad, good, not so good, not so good, then good again. He's trying to be back-to-back good. He's trying to show that he not only is the right quarterback for Tampa, but that he's a quarterback that you don't want to mess with in the NFL. Four touchdowns, one pick, 402 yards, 27-33 to on the day, averaging 12.2 yards per pass play. Insanity. Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin all got a touchdown. Chris Godwin, who some people are high on, like, John Newman, who's here with our Collectible Corner segment every Friday of Newman Sports Cards. He likes Chris Godwin, and Chris Godwin had a touchdown in the first game and a touchdown in the second game as well. Mike Evans is getting involved. O.J. Howard has been getting involved, and we have seen Deshaun Jackson continue to get involved. And you know that Deshaun likes to play up for these games. Four catches for 129 yards. Just four catches gives him 129 yards against his old team that spurned him and let him go, the Philadelphia Eagles, and he had a touchdown against him as well. His longest catch, 75-yard play. He was targeted four times, and he caught all four. So, you know, that that thing is very much alive. It doesn't happen to every player. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. But I always tell you to circle those games where a team is playing up against their old team, no matter how many years it's been since they've been on that team, Think about that player that's been on that team and then they get to go up against them another time around. And there are so many storylines in the NFL and in sports in general where somebody gets to play up against the team that spurned them or they you know, just didn't have a good relationship with. And Deshaun Jackson playing up for this game. He is in his 11th season and had 129 yards on four catches, catching all four targets that came his way and a touchdown, averaging 32 yards per catch. I would think that that's a pretty good day for Mr. Deshaun Jackson. So, close game, 27-21. Nick Foles only had a touchdown in the game. Jay Ajayi got another touchdown, so he has scored in the first two weeks. Corey Clement has also scored in the first two weeks. Shout out to the people that picked him up including myself, because I thought that he would be a pretty good player there. So I'm going to I'm gonna give myself a shout-out there because Corey Clement is somebody that he was an undrafted rookie out of Wisconsin, and look at what he's been doing so far. And with that being said, to move on to Indianapolis and Washington, I thought Washington would get this game at home. Surprisingly, Andrew Luck goes out on the road and defeats Washington 21-9. More surprisingly is the inability for Washington to score any points. Alex Smith did not have a touchdown pass in the game, did not throw a pick, though. Jamison Crowder was their leading rusher, two carries for 29 yards as they try to make him a little bit of everything. And Adrian Peterson is being himself. 
Adrian Peterson was let go from New Orleans for not getting much done on multiple carries. In this game, he had 11 carries for 20 yards, 1.8 yards a carry. That is good for one of the worst showcases in the NFL in week two. And it's sad, but the reality of it all is Adrian Peterson underwhelmed in New Orleans, so he was let go. And he's underwhelming in Washington. To know that Jamison Crowder, a wide receiver, had two carries for more yards than Adrian Peterson on 11 carries. But they did this test before. They said, okay, Alvin Kamara, you run the ball. Okay, Mark Ingram, you run the ball. Okay, Adrian Peterson, you run the ball. And Adrian Peterson consistently underwhelmed. Chris Thompson in the game had 13 catches for 92 yards. He's another guy like Jamison Crowder that's a running back slash wide receiver, and he did a good job on the team and for your fantasy team. Eric Ebron caught a touchdown. That's insult to injury for the Washington Redskins because Eric Ebron wasn't catching anything, even though he had Matt Stafford for multiple seasons in Detroit. T.Y. Hilton had a touchdown in the game as well, and Jordan Wilkins was the leading rusher for 61 yards on 10 carries. Marlon Mack had the same amount of carries for about half the yardage, 3.4 yards per carry on 34 carry, 34 yards on 10 carries. And Naheem Hines, who I told you to circle, might not be big for yardage, but he is one of those guys that could do a lot of different things. He got his first career touchdown this game up against the Washington Redskins. Only seven yards on four carries, 1.8 yards a carry, just like Adrian Peterson. But he did get a touchdown in the game, unlike Adrian Peterson. So the Colts move on to 1-1 one and one on the season as the Redskins fall to 1-1 one and one on the season after winning their opening game. The Los Angeles Rams are the first team to give a goose egg to anybody this season, giving a goose egg to the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are not what they used to be, and I would imagine that the Arizona Cardinals are going to go to Josh Rosen, their rookie quarterback, sooner than later. David Johnson did almost nothing in this game. 13 carries for 48 yards. Shows you how good the Rams' defense has become Larry Fitzgerald, three catches for 28 yards. Christian Kirk, their rookie wide receiver that I think eventually will take over for Fitz and be the number one, four catches for 27 yards. So he was quiet as well. Brandon Cooks had 159 yards on seven catches, targeted nine times, caught seven of those for 22.7 yards per catch. Tyler Higby, the tight end, got a touchdown on the only catch that he had of the day. Cooper Cup got you 63 well, Robert Woods got you 81, so if you listen to me, you played Cooks, Woods, and Cup. And then Malcolm Brown, believe it or not, led the team in rushing yardage for with 46 yards, but Todd Gurley on 19 carries didn't look pretty. 42 yards on 19 carries, 2.2 yards a carry, but he had three touchdowns in the game. Didn't have to go that far to make it happen up against the Arizona Cardinals. So even though his numbers overall don't look good, his runs were from close. Gurley had an 11-yard run into the end zone, a 1-yard run, and a 2-yard run. So systematically getting down the field, throwing the ball, and running the ball were the Rams against the Cardinals, who got close and were allowed to, and and then, you know, as, as close as they got, punched it in with Todd Gurley. And it's good to see a running back do that because, you know, teams struggle. We saw Syracuse struggle this weekend, despite the fact that they won 30-7, to they struggled to punch it in from close range. And we saw that the opportunity of this going on with Todd Gurley being able to punch it in from close, from one yard out, 
two yards out, and then his longest being from 11 yards away. So a shout-out to Todd Gurley on what he was able to do in this game as the Los Angeles Rams more and more so. I said that they were a playoff team, but they could be a Super Bowl contender this season. It looks like they made good decisions on getting rid of the excess of wide receivers that they had and spending more time and money on building up the defense and making sure that they're strong on both sides. Definitely like what I'm seeing with the Rams in Los Angeles. Not liking what I'm seeing in Detroit. The Detroit Lions went up in the game in the first quarter, 7-3 on the road against the Niners. They fell behind at halftime, 13-10, and then ultimately fell well behind in the third quarter by two touchdowns, came back and were within three, but ran out of time as the San Francisco 49ers were able to hold on. Matt Stafford did not throw a pick in the game, which is good. He had three touchdowns to no interceptions. However, he threw... 53 passes and completed 34 of them, which gives him 64% completion percentage, which isn't terrible. It puts you in the top, you know, 10, 15 last season. But Matty Stafford, this is the thing. He did his job. The defense didn't do theirs this time around. So Detroit was all over the place, and Matt Stafford was a huge problem with four interceptions in the first game. This time around, Matt Stafford does a good job. He doesn't throw any interceptions, got three touchdowns in the game, and the defense can't take care of it. So this is a case of Detroit not being able to get it done anywhere on the field against the Jets, and then the offense coming back and doing good things against the Niners on the road, but ultimately the defense not showing up in this game. Carrion Johnson led the team, and as you know, I can't say Carrion Johnson without playing what I always play when it comes to Carrion Johnson. So it just it has to be this way, folks. Every time you hear from Carrion Johnson, you hear this. Well, you don't hear the the you don't hear the ad before it. <laughs> so so my apologies for that. You don't hear the ad that comes before it. But this is what you hear every time you hear Carrion Johnson. Me say his name on the show. This is what you hear. He had eight carries for 43 yards, 5.4 yards a carry. Not too shabby for the young running back in his second game of his NFL career. Coming as a rookie out of Auburn as a second-round draft pick, 43rd overall in the 2018 draft by the Detroit Lions. Golden Tate in this game led the team with 109 Yards on seven catches. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. All both had a touchdown. Michael Roberts had the other touchdown. So shout out to Tate, Galladay, and Jones Jr. Becoming the triple threat that I thought they could have been in the past. And shout out to Michael Roberts, the tight end out of Toledo, who was able to get the touchdown in this game. But ultimately, Jimmy Garoppolo, two touchdowns, no picks in the game. Only had to throw 26 passes through less than half of the amount of passes that Matt Stafford threw in the game. Matt Breda is a big part of that. He had 11 carries for 138 yards. When you got a runner like that, 12.5 yards a carry, you don't have to worry about too many things. He had a touchdown in the game, and Garrett Selleck had a touchdown as well as Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne is second season out of Eastern Washington, and he is number 84 wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers who spread the ball out 
and were able to get the ball to a bunch of different players. George Kittle did not get a touchdown, but Garrett Selleck, the other tight end on the team who's been there a little bit longer, he was able to get the score in this game. Matt Breda, this is huge, but again, he's playing the Detroit Lions. Isaiah Crowell looked like a phenom going up against the Detroit Lions defense against the run defense. He looked great, and then he was quiet, didn't do anything against Miami. Matt Breda looks phenomenal against Detroit. So basically, if you're a fantasy owner and you have a running back that's playing up against Detroit, my suggestion is that you play them that week. So look at who's playing Detroit every week. See if you got that running back, and don't be afraid to put them out there. Oakland and Denver. Denver wins the game at home by one point. I was a little bit nervous about this one. I picked Denver, but Oakland made it really close. Denver's won two games back-to-back at home close against Seattle and then against Oakland to go 2-0. and Case Keenum didn't do much of anything in this game. 19-35, no touchdowns, one interception. But Royce Freeman was able to get a touchdown on the ground for the team. The rest of the scoring came from Brandon McManus and Case Keenum's one-yard touchdown run that he made in the fourth quarter to get this victory for the team. So McManus ultimately won the game with six seconds left to go. He's one of the kickers that got to keep his job because he made the field goal at the end of the game. So... Shout out to the Denver Broncos, who are 2-0, and I said could be a dark horse. We've covered Jacksonville and New England, so I'll skip over to Dallas and the Giants, a game that shocked me here because Tavon Austin had a 64-yard pass from Dak Prescott, and the young gun who couldn't get it done with the Rams since he's been drafted there for the most part, he goes to Dallas, and Dak Prescott and him link up for a 64-yard play, and then Brett... Brett Maher, who is the new kicker for them after getting rid of Dan Bailey. He helps him to go up 10 to nothing. Then he kicks another field goal to get him up 13 to nothing. Aldrich Rosas, Rosas gets him, gets the Giants on the board in the third quarter, 13 to three. And then Ezekiel Elliott gets a touchdown. Evan Ingram gets another, gets his first touchdown of the game here. And then Aldrich Rosas kicks the final field goal as the team Runs out of time. That was 11 seconds left to go. Saquon Barkley's numbers in this game, 11 carries for 28 yards, 2.5 yards per carry, and no touchdowns. He was the leading receiver, caught 14 passes from Eli Manning, 16 targets, 80 yards. He was targeted almost twice as many times as Odell Beckham Jr. So never underestimate a catching back. One of the best and that's the thing is when you look at fantasy football, you look at your team in general, you look at the NFL, you look at college football, the best backs out there are the ones that can catch the ball. The best backs out there are the ones that can do a little bit of everything and make it happen for the team. So Saquon on the ground wasn't working, so they took to him through the air, and he caught 14 passes. 14 passes. The leading receiver for the Cowboys was Deontay Thompson, who caught four passes. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Ezekiel Elliott who caught five. So... Running backs lead the way receiving for the Giants and the Cowboys in their matchup in the NFC East Sunday Night Football head-to-head divisional matchup. Ezekiel Elliott is the leading receiver as a running back, and Saquon Barkley is the leading receiver as a running back. But Saquon caught almost three times as many passes as Ezekiel Elliott caught. Massive game for the Cowboys to go to 1-1 and and to drop the Giants to 0-2 after the Giants lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars the week before. So the Giants, Saquon Barkley, and this is how I thought it was potentially going to go. The Giants look bad, but Saquon Barkley looks really good. The Giants got to figure things out. You got a good running back 
who's going to do good things for you. But after his rookie contract's up, he might not want to be on this team, depending on how you're playing. The Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks Monday Night Football. I had the opportunity to watch this at the Scat Cats Club at Disney's Port Orleans French Quarter while I ate their spin on chicken and waffles with my longtime producer and friend, Niccolo Cicero. Let me flip that. Friend and then producer, Niccolo Cicero, as we were hanging out and having a good time. We got some good food together. So we're watching this game. Russell Wilson had a touchdown and one, or a, t- a couple touchdowns and a pick. Mitchell Trubisky had two touchdowns and two interceptions in the game. Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen didn't do much of anything. Rashad Penny was quiet, too, in his second game after coming in as a rookie. Ten carries for 30 yards as a rookie picked in the first round, 27th overall out of San Diego State by the Seattle Seahawks. Tyler Lockett led the way for the receivers for Seattle, 60 yards and a touchdown. Will Disley had three catches and a touchdown. The tight end, who is now trying to fill in the gap with Jimmy Graham being gone, Allen Robinson, who came from the Jaguars, tore his ACL last year and was not a part of their run into the AFC Championship game on the field. Allen Robinson had 10 catches for 83 yards, targeted 14 times by Mitch Trubisky. Did not have a touchdown, but numbers looking pretty good. Anthony Miller had a touchdown in the game. Anthony Miller, a guy who I covered with the Memphis Tigers, he got his first career touchdown as an NFL player, as a rookie out of Memphis, drafted in the second round, 51st overall by the Chicago Bears. Also getting a touchdown is tight end and former Philadelphia Eagle and Super Bowl champion Trey Burton, who was targeted four times, caught all four of them, including a touchdown pass from Mitch Trubisky. I don't think that the Bears are looking too shabby, but the Seattle Seahawks definitely don't have the defense they used to and don't have the team they used to. Russell Wilson doesn't look bad, and Russell Wilson, believe it or not, led the country in touchdown passes last season with 34 But the Seattle Seahawks, they've lost on the road at Denver and on the road at Chicago. I'm sure they're very much looking forward to having the 12th man at home against the Cowboys this Sunday coming up at 425 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. We'll take our final step step aside of the show, and when we come back, we will continue the football conversation, but we'll head back to the college football ranks, and we will have five coaches of the American Athletic Conference join the show with my Q&As directly to the coaches on the American Athletic Teleconference coming up in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game. Enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Satora's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Hello. 
Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Always proud to be here with you Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time, if not a little bit longer. Sometimes we expand the show out, and that's because we love and we care about you, and we want you to enjoy every single second of the broadcast. And if and it's always under promise, over deliver. That's how you got to do it. You know, you give more. So I appreciate every single one of you. I thank you for listening into the show, and I appreciate you being here with me Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I also appreciate your support of Central and Upstate New York. So when you hear from these wonderful companies that are on all of these breaks that we have, I hope that you take the opportunity to go to them and to frequent the businesses that support our local community in Central and Upstate New York. You can find them all on wakeupcalldt.com. 
Com. Finishing off today's show and today's morning menu on Wednesday, September 19th, 2018, we are in week four of college football, and I had the opportunity to speak with Major Applewhite of Houston as well as, as, well as Philip Montgomery of Tulsa, Josh Heupel of UCF, Mike Norvell of Memphis, and Sonny Dykes of SMU. And you have the opportunity to hear from those coaches this morning because of it. So you'll hear my Q&As with the coaches, thanks to the American Athletic Conference opportunity to have a coaches teleconference where I could speak with these coaches this week. So we'll start with Major Applewhite, who will join the show, and we'll start our conversation on him saying to me that the team was upset. You know, the team was saying to everybody on the teleconference that the team was upset. You know, they were close with Texas Tech. They didn't win. To go into that, he said they were mad in practice. I wanted to have him go deeper into what did you see from that? What was that anger looking like in practice? And this is what Major Applewhite had to say. Yeah, the the context of, of them being upset is that they fully expected to go in and win the game. And they're upset with whatever their job or their responsibility was, as is the coaching staff as well, that we didn't get the win that we felt and we expected to go get. Um, so as coaches yesterday, uh, offensively, defensively, special teams, what is the standard that we need to play to to win those games? And as a coach, you know, parent, how can I put my child, how can I put my player in the best position to be successful? And so examining those things on both sides of the football is really what is, is kind of the context of being mad or upset about the losses. What is my responsibility as a coach? What is my responsibility as a player? And watching the film, and what does the film say? And we all have to be honest with ourselves when we're putting the young man in a position that can't make a play or it's too much for him. And we have to be you know, accountable and responsible as a player. I'm experienced. I know this. I've run this. I've executed this. This is on me. And at the very end of the day, though, from our practice, it's a very confident bunch. They feel, they feel very good about themselves. They are a very good football team, and I do too. I think we're a damn good football team uh, who didn't play well. Um, we're still the same football team that had a phenomenal game eight days ago. So where was, um, you know, where was the mix-up? And let's go back as coaches and let's eliminate the error. Let's get deeper into to what we're doing, what we're coaching, what we're teaching and uh, putting the right people in the game. And if, if it's not the right person, uh, then let's replace them. If not, then we need to fit our scheme around our players. And you talk about the ferocity, that, that belief, you know, from Tom Herman to you that this team is something special, that this team has something to give, and you haven't lost a leg on that. Like you said, you believe that this is a damn good football team. What do you see in these players? Because Houston is, is one of those teams that, built itself up and is not looking to taper off at all. I mean, obviously you're looking to make this an every year thing and this team is pushing to do that as well. So just what you could say about the environment, the culture that Tom Herman pushed for and that you're continuing there. Well, I, I don't, I don't really, you know, understand the, the Tom Herman thing. I mean, it's, this is about our football team in 2018. Um, you know, when we finished the 2016 team season, we were four and four in our last eight games. So that's, it's about this year. It's, it's not about 16 or 15 or 17. Uh, it's about 2018. And we didn't finish the season the way we needed to in 2016. So to me, it's about our 2018 team. And what our 2018 team feels like is we're putting up a hell of a lot of points and we're explosive on offense and we need to continue to be explosive. But we need to be able to run the ball some. Be able to beat a team like Texas Tech and Lubbock and those kind of games. We need to be able to run the ball some. And defensively, it's still the same set of players and coaches that went out there and played eight days ago against the Heisman Trophy candidate. Their stadium shut them out in the first half. So 
where are our mistakes and let's put the blame on us first as coaches and let's figure out if it's not the right guy, let's get the right guy in the game. And if it is the right guy and he's not making the plays, are we putting him in the best position? Are we putting too much on his plate to where he's locked up and thinking? This is about 2018. And uh, when I saw our team yesterday and watched our team practice, it was a bunch of hungry guys, not a bunch of guys that are, oh, I'm sore. I just got back on a late plane. They were all out of practice, ready to go, and they're confident in themselves. Uh, I don't I don't know what's outside of this building. I just know how our team feels and how our coaching staff feels, and I'm very excited about our football team and where we're headed. That coming from Major Applewhite. Now we get into Philip Montgomery on Luke Skipper, his quarterback. Well, like I, like I just said, I think he's progressing every week. Obviously, We've got to eliminate the uh, the mistakes and the turnovers. That's, that's been uh, the biggest key. Uh, some of those are a little bit out of his control. Some of them were his control. So uh, we got to do a better job of that, and we got to do a better job of, of him working in the framework of, of what we're doing and, uh, and allowing him to take advantage of what defenses are given to us. Um, I think we're still growing uh, with him, but I think we're progressing at a good rate. And uh, we'll, we got to continue to uh, uh, keep that process going. He had a great workout this morning. Uh, I've seen what I think he can do. I've seen uh, flashes of it during games. I've seen it more consistent uh, on the practice field. And now it's just translating what we're doing out there to game time and uh, putting it all together for four quarters. And then with some of the guys defensively, uh, Gibson and Reeves and whatnot, as well as Lamp, are, are there pieces on this defense that you can take positively despite the last couple losses that you've seen so far? Yeah, I think our defense has played really well the last, uh, really all year. Uh, the first three games, uh, done a good job of creating some turnovers, even though we didn't do that last, last week. Uh, but I think our defense overall has played extremely well. We've got to uh, do a good job as a team of uh, feeding off of each other, helping each other. Uh, but I've been very pleased with our defense. We're, we're young at some spots, um, but our, our older guys have done a good job of leading, and, and I think we're continuing to grow over there. That coming from Philip Montgomery of Tulsa once again as Tulsa gets close and is trying to get over that hump as they move forward with Philip Montgomery keeping the team in games and now just having to push from there. Up next is Josh Heupel and his thoughts on FAU. Uh, a good opponent. Uh, they've played really well offensively uh, and defensively the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, So uh, uh, they have good athletes uh, all over the field. be a great matchup for us. Uh, our guys are excited to play, and, and at the end of the day, go play it one play at a time. And then to look at your team and just what UCF is, I know you're a couple games in as the head coach of the team, but from last year going into this season and some positive plays that have happened uh, within the last few years, uh, last few games that have, you know, Fiesta Bowl and whatnot a few years back, UCF has put themselves on the map. Do you feel that this school and this program are getting – the respect that they deserve. How do you kind of see it from the inside looking out right now, knowing that UCF has achieved so much, but sometimes is still left off the radar, according to some people? At the end of the day, uh, you know, for our players and our coaches here in the program, uh, you take it one day at a time, you take it one game at a time, and and that's really all that you can control. This place is is, is uh, uh, good as any in the country. Uh, you look at five conference championships in the last ten years. 
um, you know, two New Year's Six Bowl wins in the last five years, three conference championships in the last five. Um, this place is, has won a lot of football games for a long time, and, and uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, our job, the, the current staff and players, to continue to build it. And uh, what our administration is doing with facilities, um, we're continuing to make it better every single day. And, and um, at the end of the day, all we can do is go out and play the opponents that we got each week and, and go take care of our business. That's what we're, you know, focused on doing. And, and and everything else will take care of itself. Really quick follow-up, Mackenzie Milton, just what you can say. We talked about him earlier on in the season. I know you're only a couple games in here, but just what you see from him and, and his abilities as you move forward. Smart, competitive, uh, great arm strength, uh, accurate with the football, um, great leader for us inside of our program every single day. Um, he's about the right things and, and uh, you know, um, you know, a, a really, really – great player uh, and uh, a lot of fun to coach every single day a lot of coach to a lot of fun to coach on, on game day so looking forward to getting back out on the field and having an opportunity to keep, uh, compete with him for the third time that coming once again from Josh Heupel of UCF the team is 2 and 0 after having their game against North Carolina affected by the storm and obviously prayers to everybody that everyone is okay. Mike Norvell is up next, willing to play Thursdays and Fridays, not only Memphis, but the conference as a whole, just what that does for Memphis, what it does for the American Athletic to put that team out there on nights where they're the only game that the nation can see. Yeah, you know, I definitely, I think it's critical for our growth. Uh, I mean, you know, when you get an opportunity to be the uh, the only game being played, uh, you know, on a, on a Thursday or Friday night, and, uh, you know, a lot of eyes tuned in to see what, uh, not only our in individual programs are all about, but overall our conference and to have success, to, to show well. Um, you know, you look at what we're doing, uh, you know, in non-conference play against, uh, you know, the other power, uh, you know, conference opponents. I mean, yeah, this this conference is, is definitely on the rise. And it's one that, uh, uh, you know, every week you've got to go out there and compete at the highest level, um, you know, when you're playing inter-conference play. But uh, then we're, we're also showing well with the individuals and the teams collectively that, uh, uh, you know, regardless of who we're playing there nationally. You took the opportunity to stay with Memphis uh, this past offseason and, and extend your opportunity with Memphis, extend your time in this conference. There's been a lot of coaches that have come into the conference and then moved forward. You could potentially start the trend of staying within the conference and building it up. What makes you believe in this conference and what makes you excited to be a part of it as being one of the coaches that is excelling in it and obviously has extended your opportunity to be in within the conference? Oh, I mean, I think you see growth. You see uh, progression. I mean, that's happening here at Memphis in every way, what we're doing facility-wise, uh, you know, what we what, you know, just the overall excitement around our program, uh, being a part of a conference that is, that is doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, I enjoy I enjoy the, the the competitive spirit that's in the American Conference. Uh, uh, you know, you look at the, the games that we've had over the last you know the last couple of years. Uh, you know, from the championship game, uh, you know, to to some of the battles we've had with uh, with our interdivision you know opponents from Houston to uh, to SMU. I mean, you know, the Navy game even this year. I mean, it's a you know it's an exciting brand of football, and uh, you know I think that this conference is pushing uh, you know at a relentless pace to to 
to elevate itself uh, on the national scale, and uh, we're doing that uh, you know, between the white lines on the field. And uh, the, the, the universities, the commitment to, to what's going into our programs off of it is also, uh, you know, you're seeing that same type of growth. And uh, at the end of the day, I love being here in Memphis. I love this community. I love uh, uh, you know, the young men that I get to coach in the area we get to, uh, get to recruit uh, you know, on a daily basis. And so, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not always, you know, people, people always uh, – uh, you know, that's one of the questions get asked a lot of bit, you know, coaches, you know, there's other schools, there's other conferences or other men. At the end of the day, you know, the, the, the logo does not define who you are. The opportunity does. And, uh, you know, I think we have a great opportunity. Uh, we got a great conference and, uh, this is, it's, it's exciting to be a part of. That coming once again from Mike Norvell of Memphis up next to finish off the conversations, Q and A's with the coaches of the American athletic is Sonny Dykes of SMU on the defensive pillars, the positives that he can build off of despite the start for his era in SMU. Well, I mean, I think, I think part of, you know, we're giving up 40 plus whatever on defense, but again, we gave up, you know, an offensive or, you know, excuse me, a defensive touchdown against Michigan. We gave up a defensive touchdown against TCU. We gave up a defensive touchdown against North Texas. We gave up a special teams touchdown against North Texas and we gave up a special teams touchdown against TCU. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of points there that, that are probably not attributed, you know, to our defense. And so I'm, I'm pleased with, with some of the things that we're doing. I think we, we've given up too many big plays. I think that's been our Achilles heel has been, uh, and it was certainly on Saturday. You know, I thought we did, did a good job, you know, for the most part um, against a team that really – worked hard to run the football, you know, and, and I thought we held up fairly well against the run and, um, you know, and they hit us on a couple of long play action passes and, um, you know, where, where our, our safeties didn't quite have, uh, you know, the eye discipline and discipline that we needed to, to be able to play those. And, you know, we got to improve in those areas, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that, and again, I, I'm not a big statistic guy. I think that's one of the things that, you know, our defense didn't give up those points, and so I don't think those those points should be counted against you know against the defensive football team. I've never really understood scoring defense uh, because again the, the the defense didn't give those points up. But that's I guess that's another conversation, some other point. But um, but I, look, I think we're getting better. You know, it's our, our first year um, in what we're doing. You know, it, it's you got to give. Uh, uh, Ken and, and his staff a lot of credit. It's pretty remarkable. I was looking through their coaching staff, and you know the number of years that their assistant coaches have been there, and the number of years Ken has been there, and the success that they've had. You know, it's really you see why they're so successful when you look at the longevity of the coaches. I mean, they understand the uniqueness of uh, of Navy, and and they understand how to uh, how to recruit there and they understand how to coach those kids and you know they're all on the same page and you know it's just everything that you want to have in a college football program uh, and so anyway just you know consistency and coaches that that are happy to be in some place and and uh it's just you know i think it's what you want to i think it's what you want to work toward but, but anyway defensively i think you know we're getting better we'll get tested saturday you know this is a completely different preparation um you know in order to play well against navy it's a it's a year-long preparation 
You know what I mean? This is this is a preparation that really needs to start in February, and uh, and and we're you know we're behind and trying to get caught up. And then, as far as uh, you you made mention of it, you're in your first year of what you're trying to do, and that you know obviously after you have some time under your belt, there's that hope for success as you build a foundation. What can you say about the way that college football is now, just kind of football in general, in the sense of you know, people want that immediate success, that immediate turnover. How do you kind of handle that as a coach saying that obviously you need time to get your players to recruit what you want, to build your foundation, and to do the, thing, the things that you're looking to do? Just what you could say about being a coach in a first year where people are already having that expectation of, all right, we need something to happen sooner than later. Well, I mean, I think, I think that you, you know, when you look around college football a little bit, I mean, I think you see – um, you know, programs that that understand, you know, I think programs, whether it's university presidents, athletic directors, fan bases, whatever the case may be, that, um, you know, that have realistic expectations. You know, there's only one team that can win a national championship every year. And so there's 129 teams that don't and one team that does. Um, you know, and there's probably 30 fan bases that have that expectation every year. And, you know, and so it's, that's just the way college football is. I mean, I think all of us as coaches understand that and know it. But the programs that have success have strong leadership, whether it's a president, whether it's an athletic director uh, that understands that, that if you really want to build a, a successful football program year in and year out, that you have to have consistency and you have to have continuity. And the programs that have that are the programs that, that have success and the you know, the blue blood programs that struggle, you know, most of the time struggle because they don't have, because they've had coaching changes. You know, they're trying to get caught up. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, behind, behind the others because, you know, a program like Northwestern has had great consistency with, with Pat. He's done a great job. Um, and, you know, there's all these other programs that are blue blood programs in the Big Ten that change, change coaches and, all of a sudden, you know, you have a couple of coaching changes and it takes a while to get a program. It takes a while to recruit. It takes a while to build a culture. And, you know, and if you, if you're changing coaches all the time, it's, it's hard to get that done. That coming once again from Sonny Dykes of SMU, Sonny Dykes of SMU finishes off our conversations, our Q and A's with the American athletic conference for this week, but wait, there could be one more coming up this week, and that is Randy Etzel, the former running backs coach of Syracuse, that is now the head coach of UConn once again. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow morning. Can't wait. Wake up call with Dan Tortora. Starting out the show with Papa Joe's picks at 9 at 9.30. We will have coaching with class with Katie Kalinske and Fantasy Football Power Hour in the second hour of the show from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time for week three of the NFL. God bless, be well, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. And I'll see you today at Chick-fil-A Cicero for the girls' soccer team with head coach as with the head coach as well as multiple players coming out to Chick-fil-A Cicero on 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, New York to hang out with us at 6 p.m. today, Wednesday, September 19th.